Hey kiddo, welcome to the Inspire to Engage podcast, where we talk marketing for small business owners, how we can serve our existing clients well, and ways for us to engage more with potential clients. And of course, we'll talk some about the juggles and struggles to do all of this while still having a life. I'm your host, Rachel Eubanks, and I'm so happy that you're here. Hello, 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 dear listener. I am telling you, you are in for a treat on this episode. In fact, today I have three guests with me. I have Michaela, Ren, and Tim from Cake Commerce. Cake Commerce, C-A-K-E, like the delicious goodness that we love to eat. Cake Commerce specializes in marketing and SEO practices for creatives and for e-commerce business owners, so people like you and me. When I stumbled upon their website, I knew I wanted to do a podcast episode with them. Today, we're talking product pages because, let's face it, we write a lot of product pages. And because we're doing that and because that's where we make the sale, I want us to be good at it. I cannot wait for you to hear all the tidbits that are laced throughout this episode from these three experts. They're going to blow you away. Now, I will go on and tell you that Ren is extremely intelligent and super smart, and he throws out words like schema markup, which is really just telling the search engine what your data means, not just what it says. I got that basic information from Neil Patel, which if you've done any SEO research, you've probably seen Neil's work as well. But back to Ren, he throws out all of this fantastic information, big words, but the great thing about these three is they bring it down to people like you and me, to everyday practitioners, everyday business men and women who are sitting down working on their websites and trying to figure it out for themselves. I was so appreciative for Michaela and Tim and Ren to share their expertise. I think you are going to love it. Now, I want to challenge you to pick out at least one of their suggestions and apply it this week as you work on your product pages. Okay, here is Tim, Ren, and Michaela from Cake Commerce. I am so happy today to bring to you three fantastic guests. They are from Cake Commerce. And yes, I do mean cake as in the delicious flour, sugar, all the goodness. Believe me, they're going to explain here in a minute why it's called Cake Commerce. But I today have Tim, Michaela, and Ren from that marketing agency. And I have to give you a little background. I stumbled upon their website and was blown away. As you listeners know, there's most of us are creatives, we're e-commerce owners, and this marketing agency actually tends to us. Their um, copy is so much fun. It is sprinkled with caking and baking terms, but at the same time, it reveals to you what it is that they do for their customers. So I was so excited to land on, on their website, and I got in a got. Um, emailing back and forth with Michaela and she and I jumped on last week, talked and said, this would be a great fit. So they're here today. We are talking specifically product pages because as small business owners, we write a lot of product pages and we need to be doing it well. So that's what our topic of our conversation is. But before I go on any further, I would love for Michaela to introduce herself and introduce Cake Commerce. So 
Take it away, girl. Thank you so much for having us, Rachel. You, I feel like I've known you for 30 years. Your content is phenomenal and um, just amazing job on your podcast. And we've gotten a lot out of it here um, on the cake side. Um, in terms of kind of how we got started, it's, it's an interesting story in that um, Cake Commerce is actually a part of Zero Gravity Marketing, which is a larger agency when you think about kind of how we market ourselves. But so Cake Commerce is part of Zero Gravity Marketing, which is almost, I believe, 57 employees as of today, which is so, so exciting to be able to say, especially during um, a pandemic, right? Um, and, you know, last year we, we took on quite a bit of e-commerce clients, Rachel, and for lack of a better phrase, we became really good at it, right? We're, our team is very, very passionate about almost that instant gratification, right? So if we make a pivot and we see the fruits of our labor, we're seeing it pay off instantly. So um, it, it really sparked us to create a sub-brand of the agency all around e-commerce marketing. And really, um, Ren and Tim on my team who are on, on this podcast as well on the SEO side, they loved this idea in that it helps us become experts within our vertical. Um, all about e-commerce and speak uniquely to the space, um, which has been great. But really the name honestly came to me um, on a very early Sunday morning run by myself, 7 a.m. by myself, no kid screaming, mom, mom. Um, and I, I very much look forward to those runs every week. And I, of course, was listening to an e-commerce podcast because that's how, that's my time to really um, you know, learn new trends within the space. And it, it came to me that much like baking a cake, right? You had too much flour, you're going to overinflate the cake. Too little, you're going to deflate it. Same thing goes with your marketing mix when it comes to e-commerce marketing. You, you, you add too much paid search and too little SEO, and you're not going to have that perfect mix and you're not going to be able to create the perfect cake or make cake, right? also has financial legs. So um, fast forward a year, we're celebrating our first birthday. Yes, team, we're going to have plenty of cake to enjoy. Um, but we're so happy to be here, Rachel. Thanks for having us. I am. I'm, I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you here. I, of course, want to put Tim and Ren on the hot spot for just a second too. Tim, will you introduce yourself? And then I'm, I'm going to uh, let Ren introduce himself. Sure. My name is Tim Dugan. I head up the SEO department. So um, my focus is on the organic search side. So not to be confused with you hear search engine optimization, you hear search engine marketing. This is exclusive to the free non-paid results that come up inside Google, Bing, Yahoo, and so on. Awesome. Thank you. I cannot wait to hear from you. Okay, Ren, I want to hear from you. Introduce yourself and then I'm going to go into the first question and I, it may be you, Ren, that will know the answer to that. So introduce yourself, please. Sounds good. My name is Ren Costantini. I'm an SEO strategist and specialist at K-Commerce and Zero Gravity Marketing. <laughs> so you have your hands full as well. Okay, so my first question is, I, we want to talk about SEO for product pages specifically. That is something that I get from a lot of my clients. They ask me, so Rachel, how many words should I be putting on a page? We've heard that the, com the um, comment about thin content where it's just not enough words. And 
I want to talk about uh, keywords such as long tail key long tail keywords specifically in the e-commerce in the e-commerce platform for example like jewelry designers um even bakers so could you talk to us for a second about how much content should be on a product page and what about what about keywords Absolutely. So keywords, first and foremost, it needs to speak the verbiage that's congruent with your branding and your business overall. So it really needs to resonate with your target market audience. So I think first and foremost is identifying who you're speaking to. Um, Michaela has this great saying, put on your customer hat. Um, and it's something that's kind of widespread in the SEO uh, group that Tim's heading up. And it's really that. What If you were in the position of your ideal customer, what keywords would you be searching for? Um, additionally, I would make sure that there's a mix of kind of high volume keywords if you're digging into research tools uh, such as Ahrefs, SEMrush, Moz, kind of a mixture of high volume, high keyword difficulty keywords, and then, you know, medium volume and, and low volume keywords. As far as the amount of content on the product landing page, um, that's really dependent on how much of a description that you want to be giving your product, but I do recommend a good paragraph or two describing um, you know, what your product is, any unique value propositions that might be there that are important to have, um, any additional features like free shipping, um, and then making sure that those product pages are optimized from an SEO standpoint with those keywords. And by that, I mean, as far as the e-commerce product pages, you want to be heading up those title tags, the H1s, the meta descriptions. So the title tags and the meta descriptions are going to be what's called on search engine result page optimization. So when you type a phrase into Google, you get you know, your results and that's your search engine result page. And that's really the first touch point for SEO for us and, and at least the e-commerce space. Um, so you really wanna make sure those keywords are incorporated well into your title tags and your meta descriptions. They have a call to action. They have some form of uh, UVP. So for example, Tim and I were talking, um, if you're an e-commerce brand, you might wanna have a jewelry designer um, you know, so and so forth or for sale based keywords or best or maybe you're selling a more high end based product. So you might want to go with luxury um, and so forth. So making sure that verbiage is congruent with your business, making sure your SEO tags and so forth are kind of cascading. So you have your title tags, which is non serve optimization, your meta description that's going to be below that. And then when you get to the actual product landing page, your header one, your H1, which is most likely going to be your product name. Um, if you can incorporate a keyword there as well, that's great. And then making sure you have some form of schema markup, um, which is just uh, micro data that all the search engines understand and helps categorize your business and the myriad of search engines that are out there. And uh, making sure again, that that product's copy is, is following suit with keywords that you use in the prior tags that we just talked about. And I think hey. Ren, you do a great job with kind of keeping us all honest in that we have to be writing for our customers first. Exactly. Right. SEO second, right? So that's, that's really important to get across here is, again, putting our customer hats on. What are the different um, descriptions or unique value propositions that you're offering on this product page? And starting with that as a foundation and then leveraging things such as keyword research and understanding you know, the various keywords as it relates to that specific product and then infusing keywords into the product descriptions of the on the page and then of course taking into that into account on the tags that that Ren spoke about exactly. okay so Michaela that is a great connection right there I also talk a lot as far as a copywriter you can imagine we talk a lot about 
it doesn't matter as a business owner what features in fact that's what we work on as business owners yep the buyers don't care they want the other side like what how is this going to benefit me so i like let me just rephrase and i have a question for ren or tim possibly so michaela said put on your customer's hat that's your number one foundation start writing there and then the second thing is you start worrying about seo and that so i want to if I hate to put you guys on the spot, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, Ren and Tim, because I know you guys can do it. Let's take, for example, I, I used jewelry designer earlier. So let's say that we have a specific necklace. Maybe it's a beaded necklace with a pendant. And she wants to create a landing page. This owner wants to create a landing page about this beaded necklace with a pendant. Could you walk me through, and you don't have to tell me, exactly every word to use but could you walk me through the steps Ren or Tim how would you tell her to do that product page so as far as creating the product page and just like the whole overall outline like a wireframe yes please yes okay so again I would want to make sure that you do some form of, of keyword research um, again putting on that customer hat by that I mean Google your competitors, Google, you know, beaded necklace, put that into your search query. Um, and then, you know, look up different derivations, see what's popping up in the search engine result pages, look at your competitors and how other people are putting their product pages together. From there, I would say, and I kind of reverse engineer it. So this may not be how I go or how others go about it. This is how I like to go about it. Um, I like to see what my competition is up to. And then I like to improve on what they're not doing too well. And then whatever they are doing well, I'll make sure we're doing even better. And we actually see that a lot on the Cape website. Um, and I'm sure Michael will speak to that a little bit later. But as far as that goes, I'll be looking at the keywords that they're using, the verbiage that they're using. Um, I'll be looking at how they're actually laying out their page. Is there too much content? Is there too little content? Am I noticing any keyword stuffing? They're using too many keywords. Google notices that. And sometimes you get a little slap on the wrist. So I would really do some competitive research. I would also, again, speak, speak to look about, look at how you want your business to represent its products. What, what need is that product, you know, fulfilling? I know it's a beaded necklace, but is it a beaded necklace for an occasion? Is it a high end necklace for, you know, something you wear out to a nice dinner? Or is it just a regular necklace that you wear around to pop around the town and have fun with your friends? So kind of figure out where that product actually fits into someone's lifestyle as well um, and how it can fulfill that need. I mean, Google's main premise is search your task accomplishment, which is you type in a phrase, it wants to give you the best suited answer for that given search query. And there's still various developments that are being made every single day with the algorithm to achieve that goal. Um, but nonetheless, just doing some quick research and kind of comparing and contrasting and seeing how you want to go about it and, you know, build your perfect media mix, build your perfect landing page. It'll be a lot easier if you do some competitive research, in my opinion. I think Tim might have some additional ideas on that as well. I also just want to jump in too, Ren, because you bring up a good point. Absolutely. Going to Google first, right? And, and, and understanding what's coming up for various phrases, because Rachel, to your point, pendant necklace may have different results than necklace with charm and then understanding exactly where you fit in to those different phrases and and what your product obviously is best described as and and doing the necessary keyword research which ren i'd love for you to kind of give um the the listeners some tools to do some of that keyword research and really understanding the competitiveness and the search volume around i mean we may find 
that um, you know neck uh, pendant necklace has a ton more searches and is lower when it comes to a competitor score versus charm necklace and that to us is gold that's low-hanging fruit because we have we have great opportunity to really hone in on that specific um descriptor of the product okay so that that makes sense so back to renner tim thank you michaela that the competitive research is so important and it's a step that most of us skip once again we're, we've got our business hat on we're sitting here going yep. this is what i call it necklace with a pendant and we just go with it versus thinking what are other people calling it and what's going to be my best my best way to be found so as far as researching the the keyword let's say that she has settled on um necklace with charm where would she where would she go from there as far as optimizing the rest of that product page or as far as doing additional keyword research um, so as far as doing additional keyword research, there's a myriad of tools that we use as zero gravity marketing and K commerce. And there's also some that are actually free. So the first free one I can offer up is Google's keyword planner. It's actually a Google ads uh, tool, but it still works just as well for search. Uh, more often than not, we're aligning with our team members, again, creating that perfect omni-channel media mix. We need to align with the other pillars of our digital marketing stature. Um, so that works just as well for search as it does for pay-per-click or for paid advertising. So Google's keyword planner, great place to start. It'll give you a good idea of what the search volume for those keywords are. Also look at Google trends, see where the keywords are trending. If you know, there's anticipated volume in the future, or, you know, maybe given your industry and what's going on with this unfortunate global pandemic, what's, what's going on with that uh, verbiage, um, from an unpaid side, there are free subscriptions, at least for trials and so forth. Mm -hmm. We use SEMrush. It's actually how mm -hmm. I started with SEO and how I actually got into SEO with SEMrush. So they have a great 30 day trial log into there and just use your keyword research magic tool, type in the, the keywords such as, you know, pendant necklace, and it's going to shoot back a bunch of different results. I would be looking at the volume. I would be looking at keyword difficulty. And I think keyword difficulty is important. It's something that Tim actually uh, brings up quite often is look for the opportunities where it's low keyword difficulty, meaning it's a little bit more attainable for these newer brands to rank for than something that has a higher keyword difficulty, but much higher volume. So, and that's where kind of coming full circle when I was talking about that keyword mix is having a mixture of both the high volume keywords, high keyword difficulty, medium volume keywords, medium difficulty, and then the low and then the low. Um, so again, address that low hanging fruit first, start gaining rankings for those derivations of that major keyword term, such as pendant necklace. And then you'll find over time, you'll start to gain a little bit of momentum. The search engines will understand that hey, they're using this term in a unique and uh, suitable manner. People are finding, you know, search or task accomplishment. They're finding what they need to find and you'll gain rankings over time. As far as on the product page, make sure you're using different derivations. Don't keyword stuff. So don't just keep using the same keyword over and over and over. Those derivations are important. Um, so by derivations, I mean, um, luxury pendant necklace or high-end pendant necklace, or um, you could even go with cool or cute or chic. I don't, chic's a word, apparently. I didn't know this until I started optimizing <laughs> for uh, jewelry stores and so forth, um, or timeless or vintage. Um, you can tell clearly I've just got off a client call with a, with an e-commerce jeweler. So, You're doing uh, great. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> this is perfect, Rand. This is working out great. Yeah. So you yeah. got to look for those different angles. It's all about the angle that you take and the approach that you take. It's what's your differentiating factor. Seth Gooden, uh, he brings up this ideology of a purple cow for anyone who's into marketing books. Look for something that's different. What is so different about your product? 
If you're entering into the marketplace with nothing new to say, you're not going to do that well. So think of what's, what's new and think of it from a search standpoint as well. Okay. Okay, Rand, that right there, we could be done with this whole conversation. I loved it. Um, so let me, let me, because the teacher me, I don't, I don't think I told you guys, but I was a teacher for 13 years. I taught elementary school. And so my goal with this podcast is always for people to be able to walk away with something they can do. So let's say, let's say Rand, that you have helped this client figure out several variations of keywords for the H1 of, of a particular page. What would she go with? This is the kind of stuff I get asked. Right. So in each one is, is a pretty important ranking factor mm -hmm. for SEO. So definitely something to consider more often than not. It's typically the product name, at least in my experience, if you can, again, when, if, when you're maybe naming your products, do some keyword research before you actually name the products then that's ideal. Um, or if you're open to it and some clients in our case for K commerce, they are open to it. Once we explain, Hey, a lot of volume behind this keyword. If we incorporate it here, we think you'll rank more efficiently more often than not they do. Um, so I would say you can change your product, your product's name to incorporate that keyword, or you could add it at the tail end. Um, but H ones are important, especially if it's going to be your, your product name. So try and incorporate keywords where you can, but ultimately I think it should be the product name because if you think about it, when you're writing that title tag, you don't want to dissuade people. You want to be honest, um, because mm -hmm. you want to, you know, translate that you're actually selling, you know, a luxury jewelry based necklace or a pendant necklace as we were going off of. So making sure that that is reflected in the H1, we, we want that cascading effect from beyond SERP optimizations of the title tag and meta description to on page. Uh, we don't want them to you know, be reading a shell necklace and they get to the landing page, the product landing page, and it's a, a beaded necklace. Those are two, two different things. That's going to cause bounce rate to go up. And that's a whole, whole thing we can right. get into right there. But yeah, <laughs> but you're right. It's going to make Google mad. And then therefore you're slowly falling down on the, down on the results as well. Hey, it's me. I wanted to pause this episode for just a second for a commercial. This episode is brought to you by my online course, Creating an Ideal Customer Story. Maybe you were like me several years ago. You kept, hear, you kept hearing all of these business coaches saying, get really clear on who it is that you serve. Know your target audience. And you keep wondering, but how? How do I get clear? How do I find out about my target audience? I got really frustrated and overwhelmed. And so slowly over time, I figured out a system, figured out a process and I did it. And I will be honest, it did change my business. It changed how I looked at my business. It gave me a purpose. It gave me some inspiration, especially in the really tough days. And so then I created a course to teach other business owners how to do it. It's called Creating an Ideal Customer Story. And you will hear the word story in the title because that's a very important element. When you finish the course, it's just two hours. So really you can finish it over a weekend or less, even a night. You will end up with a story, a narrative about your ideal client. And that's important because when you do get stuck, you cannot figure out what you want to say in that email exactly. Or social media is really putting a drain on you. You pull that story back out and you read it and you're reminded of why this person buys from you. Why it's important that you continue on with this business. Or what, why it brought you joy in the beginning. So anyway, if this sounds anything like you, this course is perfect for you. 
head to my site, inspiretoengage.com forward slash online courses. And there you'll find it. It's right now 20 bucks. It's the year 2020. So whether you're listening at way after 2020, it's $20 right now. And it's like I said, less than two hours. So once again, head to my site, inspiretoengage.com forward slash online courses. Now back to this episode. Okay, so let me ask you too, before we move off of this topic for just a second, Tim or Ren, whoever feels most com- comfortable, what about local SEO? Because I also work with boutique owners. And do you have a, a piece of advice or a couple of tips as far as local SEO? Oh, yes. Yes, we do. We have lots of advice for local SEO. Um, So first and foremost, local SEO is important for e-commerce brands. Even if you're not selling locally, it is still important to do. Um, So one of the main things I would recommend doing is what's called as a NAPU audit, uh, name, address, phone number, and URL, NAPU. And it's basically making sure your data is accurate across a myriad of different local citations um, and business directories. Uh, The four main ones right now are, I believe, Foursquare, Factual, Infogroup, and Localize. So these are the four top data aggregators, and they essentially uh, spread out your information to a bunch of uh, subsequent you know, local directories and business directories. So it's important to make sure you're on there. There's services such as Bright Local, and I believe Moz also has some features as mm-hmm. well, um, where you can just upload your business information, and they actually spread that out for you. Um, saves a lot of time. If you want to do it manually, I've, I've done it manually. It does take more time, but... Uh, makes it all the more uh, well-earned, I guess you could say. Um, and then on top of that, Google My Business. This is huge. Um, Michaela, Tim, and myself have seen some really positive things from Google My Business. Not only have they made a lot of updates, um, especially with coronavirus, for co- curbside pickup in, you know, in dining, um, mentioning like, is it a women-led business? Is it a black-led business? Is it, um, you know, is it in the e-commerce-based Google My Business location. And if it is, you have the option of doing Google My Business shoppable products. What that essentially is, is it's another on SERP optimization, but it is also a local optimization. So you can add your products to Google My Business. And from there, basically, you could click order online or learn more. And then it brings you right to the product landing page. We've seen certain e-commerce brands generate upwards of $15,000 a month just by you know adding in those adding in those URLs and you can actually track that with uh, UTM parameters. Uh, so you can see it in Google analytics or whatever tracking uh, methodology you're implementing at the time. So I would really focus on doing a NAPU audit, making sure Google My Business is set up and optimized. By optimized, I mean making sure you flesh it out with all the, the pertinent business information from the day your business originated to the business description, to the times that you're open. Um, if you're women-led, definitely add that. If you're, bl- you're a black-owned business, definitely own that. Um, have all of those things filled out and then local listings and business directories, making sure you're on Bing as well. That's another search engine that's often overlooked more mm-hmm. often than not. If you're already set up on Google, my business, it's a pretty quick integration from Google, my business to Bing. Uh, you literally click start import from Google, my business, and it brings all that information right into Bing. So super simple, super easy, highly effective. I'm so glad you brought up Bing Ren, because I think this is really important too, um, is, Again, putting your customer hat on, who's your main demographic? We're finding that Bing is skewing older, um, 55 plus. And just the, the reason is, is that you're going to your local office supply store. You're getting, um, you know, an Asus computer. You're bringing it home. You're opening it up. 
and the default browser is Bing and nobody's changing it. I mean, we are constantly going from, you know, Safari, we're, we're always using Chrome, but we're finding that Bing is a pocket of growth. I mean, there are times on the, even the paid side where we're spending $5 and making $500 because there's just so much room for low hanging fruit there. So do not forget Bing, especially if you're targeting an older demographic customer. I'm so glad you brought that up, Ren. Okay. That is so smart. Seriously. That is so smart, y'all. I'm glad, I, I am glad you brought that up too, Ren. And thank you, Michaela, for fleshing that out a little bit more for us. Okay. So let me ask, I, I know this is a, we've talked a lot about SEO and I think that's one of the things, I don't know if you see this with your clients, but I definitely see it with mine that's one of the reasons we get so scared and we just kind of shut it down is because there's a lot to it and it can be scary. So I want to talk a little bit about off page SEO and how you can grow your website and it not with the help of others, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so somebody who knows more than me right here, speak up about off page SEO. Absolutely. So off-page SEO is, is important. Google likes to see links pointing back to your website. It's a ranking factor. Uh, it shows that you're an authority. So Google, uh, Google search quality guidelines, there's um, this acronym called EAT. So expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. So there's a couple ways that you can really work on off-page SEO or off-site SEO. One of the ways in which I, I think most brands can do, especially if you've been established for a little bit, is unlinked brand mentions. Uh, what that is, is essentially someone mentions your brand, but they don't link back to your website. You can actually use the tool that I mentioned earlier, Ahrefs. It's a great tool for finding some of those unlinked brand mentions. Reach out to the webmaster and say, hey, thank you so much for the kind write-up. It's so great to see um, you, know, you speaking about our brand on such a high-quality website such as yours. I really appreciate the write-up. Would you mind adding in a link to our website so that your users can find us and help with your website's user experience and help increase our brand recognition um, for the hard work that you recognize us for? More often than not, they'll give you that link unless they're maybe an Amazon affiliate, in which case you can still try and get that link back. And so you said href, is that correct? H-R-E-F? A-H-R-E-F-S. Right okay. Thank you. Got it. Yeah. Let me ask you something else because I know how a lot of my clients work. and I'm not sure about you guys, but uh, as far as your clients, often what happens is there becomes kind of a pod of small business owners that they become friends. Their businesses are somewhat related. They're not really competitive, but they're somewhat related. For example, I've got uh, some very close friends that are photographer and a graphic designers and, and um, jewelry, jewelry designers and things like that, that slowly over time, we've become kind of, you know, just good friends. What about is, is it frowned upon to use that pod of friends who also have their own website for them to be writing blog posts or something that then is going to link back to your site. And in turn, you do it for them. Is, is that, is that okay in Google's eyes? Or, um, I mean, I think it sounds fine on the surface. Sounds like a friend helping a friend, but you talk to you, you're the expert Rand. So talk to me for a second. Right. So contributing content is a great way to, to build your, your backlink portfolio, just links back to your website. As far as kind of exchanging links, um, Google likes to see external links as well. So that's also a ranking factor and making sure it's going to another authoritative website. Um, I would be cautious 
um, in exchanging those links too quickly. So maybe stagger it out. We actually tried the strategy with, with a, a client of ours um, and it actually worked out pretty well. So they guest posted on a, another client of ours and then a couple months later, they guest posted back on their website. So give it a little bit of space in between. Um, I wouldn't be you know, exchanging links back and forth uh, immediately, but a little bit of space will do you guys some justice. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's okay. Okay, link that's, exchange, yeah, go ahead, Tim. Sorry. Sorry, Rachel. Link exchanges at scale, they, they are in Google's guidelines to avoid those. It's, it's seen as one of these things that, yes, if you're doing it at scale, you may be attempting to juice the system, so to speak, and it could result in a manual action, which could result in decreasing your rankings. However, doing it in a way that's at a far smaller scale, more personalized, right? Mm -hmm. to, yeah, to exactly. point around a network, right? A group mm -hmm. of people that would definitely be an effective way to share some of that backlink equity that you're looking for to generate better rankings. Okay. Thank you, Tim, for, for clarifying. And let me go back to, to something that Ren was saying. So we were talking about backlinking with my suggestion and you had mentioned authority. Am I correct? And so mm -hmm. those are, those are two different link strategies is that correct because the authority side is going to be a site that's larger than yours is that correct ran or it's it's going to have a higher ranking you know it's been around longer than yours or talk to right. me about that for a second so just to clarify when so i was talking about the search quality guidelines the um eat so the trustworthiness, the authority, and the expertise, right? I did that backwards, but you get the gist of it. Um, as far as domains, there's this metric, um, either domain authority or domain rating, depending on the keyword research tool you're using. But we'll go off of Moz's domain authority. And that is basically a comparative metric. So it's not a Google-based metric. It's a Moz-based metric. It's more or less so you can compare what your domain authority is in comparison with maybe your competitors. So you'll have a little bit of understanding of how you're stacking up to them in regards to your inbound links going to your website, your backlink portfolio. Um, so that's more of what I mean by that. Just because you have more links going to your website doesn't mean you're, you're benefiting more from it. It's about the quality of the links as well, not just the numerical value of them. Um, so again, just, just focus on building quality links that are gonna help users find you um, and just further demonstrates your expertise. And once again, put your customer hat on, right, Michael? <laughs> where, where, just be thinking about things that also link back to your brand that makes sense. So if it's linking back to your site, exactly. it makes sense that they're linking back to your site and they're not some, you know, I think it was years ago where people did, they did use the system, as Tim said, and just had all kind of crazy backlinks and the sites were garbage and rubbish and rub, rubbish. Okay, so quick question now. I want to ask, I think this is an easy question, but it's also a problem that many of us have. What about photos as far as load, load times? Because we also know that user experience is very important on search engines. And if your website is taking forever to load because your photos are so dang heavy, can you talk to us about how to make sure that those photos load quickly? And what are you guys seeing with your clients as far as how are you helping them get the images on the site that they need, but at the same time that they're loading fast enough that users are staying there and enjoying the site? What a great question, Rachel. This is so important because we're all about, I mean, as e-commerce or boutique owners, you have to have the perfect picture and look really great, right? But the load time and, and how big the file is certainly plays into SEO. So Ren's got some great tips and he keeps us all, 
um, he accountable for even on our own site. When I'm going in and uploading large images, he's like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, Rand, take it away. <laughs> Teach Absolutely. us. So, so to Michaela's point, we, we definitely still want high quality photos. Um, we still want those lifestyle photos using the product where, where it's, you know, what is, what problem is that uh, product solving. So lifestyle photos are huge. Make sure you have clean and crisp product uh, images in general. If you have some form of a video too, that's always great. Or maybe like a GIF kind of graphic where it's moving. That's great as well. Um, always compress your images. There's a lot of apps depending on your CMS, your content management system that you could implement that will automatically kind of compress those images. So your time to first bite or your page load speed isn't getting completely eaten up. This isn't to say this isn't still going to take up some some speed. It definitely is. A file is a file. Data is data. It still needs to be processed. But nonetheless, we can mitigate some of those huge load times that uh, we don't want to be seeing. Um, any load time that's over four seconds, I, I think, is a little too much, especially for e-commerce. You really want to be flying through it if you can. Um, and on top of the images, while we want good images, we want them compressed, we need to write image alternative text. And what that essentially is, is uh, Google bots, any bots, any crawlers um, that are going and indexing your website, they're going to crawl your images. And unfortunately, they don't have eyes like you or I do. They can't see the images. They, don't, they can't put a definition to that image. So this is also something that we want to do to optimize, but it's an opportunity where we can weave in, again, coming full circle, to some of those target keywords. So my recommendation is you describe the image as best as you can while weaving in some of those target keywords. Again, no keyword stuffing. It needs, it needs to be kind of colloquial. It needs to be normal. Um, and try and keep it under about 125 characters if you can for the image alternative text. Oh, and again, okay. and get really specific too. I mean, Google image search, I believe now is the number three search type engine, right? Granted, it's still under Google, but Google search and then YouTube search. And then a, the third is image search. So it's really important to your point, Ren, going back to the pendant necklace, right? And explaining exactly what that image is of, um, such as 14 karat gold vermeil um, pend heart pendant necklace. I mean, think about how long tail that term is. And if somebody's looking for that and they're going to Google image search, they're going to find you if, if it's done right and, and the alternative tags are, are placed properly. Okay. So, right. I have always heard, you know, to put alt text for your images, but I never had thought about it being 125 characters and being that specific. And Michaela, that blows my mind that the image, Google images now third, I'm not surprised because I think about how often I search for specific characters. Exactly. Me too. I'm, I'm always using image search. Yes. So that, that does not surprise me at all. Let me ask you guys too. Have you found, is there a certain magic number as far as photos on a product page or does it really just matter that it's a, it's a good image to start with? Okay. Does it matter? Yeah, I don't think that there's a magic number. I always say, and Ren, you brought this up, is um, test different alternative images within um, your product page. So show your beautiful lay flat of the product. Then your next image, show it on somebody. Lifestyle image, show it in use. Um, do you have influencers posting about your product? Take that influencer content and upload it to your PDP. We're oftentimes finding that when we are adding the lifestyle images to our product pages, in addition to our straight on product shots, 
conversion rates are going up because people can see visually how it will look in their own environment if they are to to purchase and take it home. So that that that's important. That's extremely can, important. Go ahead. Something to consider too, which we've seen more and more uh, as e-com e sites have evolved, is having the ability to upload a photo upon a verified review. Right? How many times have mm -hmm. we all gone to Amazon, uh, shopping around for various products, gifts, and so on? And what do we do? We beeline straight to reviews, right? We want to see the volume of reviews. We want to see the review count, uh, the average around that that we're looking for. And many of us, as time has gone on, not just exclusive to Amazon, will look at that product and either the success they have with the product, right? Oh, they enjoyed this. My son or daughter really enjoyed this gift. Or, oh, what went wrong, right? And those photos can be game changers in terms of suading that visitor who finally made their, their way to that page, right, after prospecting and saying, okay, this is the right product for me. Having that ability to add those photos, which some apps do, uh, certainly apps and plugins and so on through WordPress and Shopify and all that, uh, can really help with converting the user through that final hurdle when it comes to making a purchase. Tim, that's a great suggestion. suggestion. And that actually brings me to a point I want to make, one of the last things before we close out, is I have to give Kate Commerce a huge credit here because they built Kate Commerce on Shopify. Am I correct, Michaela? And they did it so that they could talk to their clients in real life terms. So Tim, talk to us for a second. Does about Shopify or, or whoever, Ren or Michaela, does Shopify, because so many of my clients have their site on Shopify. Do they allow for the review photos to, um, is that something that Shopify allows? Is there, are there plugins or apps that you can connect that's going to allow that, Tim? There's definitely apps. There's a slew of apps out there. Um, one of which I know a number of our clients uses is called Judge Me. Um, Michael, you might know of a few more off the top of your head. Every app offers, especially these popular apps, a lot of the same, but there are certainly differentiators. Um, touching on what Renan mentioned earlier about structured data and schema markup. Some of these apps that allow for review integration will then automate a lot of that formerly manually manual uploaded work of adding structured data, which will give you that coveted search result that many of us are looking for. So by adding some of these apps, uh, Judge Me, for example, through Shopify, you can get as reviews are populated inside that product page, you can then get that star rating that a lot of your shoppers are looking for show up directly in the search results, which is not a ranking factor by having that, but will certainly aid in click through. Again, back to the idea of if you had four out of five star ratings or five out of five star ratings, not only on the product, but in the search result page itself too, that will certainly suede an aid in click through rate. I know Judge Me is one we recommend. There are many out there. Um, our advice for shopping around uh, for Shopify apps, WordPress plugins and modules and so on, one of the biggest pieces of advice we can give to clients is look for one that's A, been around for a while, uh, B, has quite a bit of support, right? Support is there when you need them. Uh, C, nominal fee, you know, not, not over the top in terms of pricing, and has great ratings, right? Yep. Those that have one star review, even if it's five star, has not been along for a long time and so on, might not be a great investment in terms of adding it to the site. You might run into hurdles later on that you don't want to deal with. 
Okay. And judge me too. We've tested against others within the space. And we found that judge me is actually better from an SEO perspective because having that bolted on is not actually bogging down the site speed um, as well. So we've actually um, tested it against a Yotpo uh, review app for, as an example. And we found that judge me is, um, you know, doing really, really well within the space. Okay. That's so that's so good to hear. And especially from a group that is using Shopify. Let me ask you this too. This is a little bit off topic, but we were talking about review integration. What suggestion do you guys give to clients as far as getting, getting those reviews? Do you guys have, have you found something that's really working for clients? Yeah, we're actually finding that post-purchase email follow-ups are phenomenal. Not only because email is a great way um, to, you know, inspire next purchases and drive retention, but it has uh, amazing abilities for higher open rates, click-through rates, conversion rates, right, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But um, setting up a post-purchase welcome series automation when somebody does purchase a product and after a week or two weeks sending a check-in, hey, we hope you love your product, you know, how's everything going? If you love it, please do share. Um, and we're sending people to um, either Google or directly to the site if we are using JudgeMe. And then I know Tim and Ren are using um, apps that allow, if somebody does leave a review on Google, that we're automating it on the website end as well. So you're eliminating the need for the manual work of asking people to do both. Oh, that you is don't want so to ask good. A lot. <laughs> that right. That's that's the thing that we come into a lot is okay, I want this review and now I don't want to ask. But, you know, the thing is, and I told this to my clients a lot, the thing is, especially even with market research, I, I help clients with super small like market research. The thing is, is if somebody has a really good experience with you most of the time, they're willing to take that extra couple of minutes to write a really nice review or to get on the phone with you and talk yep. to you for 10 or, you know, five minutes even. And so, I think we build that up as, as business owners so much. And you know what? If someone says no, oh, well, it's okay. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask because the least they could do is say no. And you move on. Right. You move on to the next thing. Okay, guys, I have to say a huge thank you. You guys are crazy intelligent. And what I love is I can tell you have been in the weeds with people. And I can't tell you that is so refreshing. <laughs> To, to hear that and to know that you guys are there and answering questions um, daily and to help people with how to grow their businesses and especially in pandemic times. And yet you have done it. You guys have had great results and you yourselves have grown and happy one year birthday to Kate Commerce. That is fantastic. Thank and you. And so I want, Michaela, I want you to end by telling my listeners, where can they learn more about you as, uh, as the marketing agency? Absolutely. So um, guys, be sure to check out www.cakecommerce.com. And of course, follow us along um, on Instagram, Facebook. Our blog has amazing content all about SEO. And, and I'm so glad we're talking about SEO because it really is the missing link to e-commerce success. Many people are for, they feel like they have to 
just put an ad up on Google pay-per-click and pay for it. Yes, that, that's absolutely the sprint, but the marathon is SEO and that's really your long game. I mean, to get free traffic to your site. So definitely check out our website. Um, the blog has amazing resources to help you. And Rachel, thank you so much for having us on. We so appreciate it. No, seriously, thank you. I appreciate you, Tim and Ren and Michaela, for sharing your expertise. I know the listeners are going to go crazy over this. So I just want to say thank you so much. And I hope you guys have a wonderful afternoon. And I hope to talk soon, too. Talk again soon. Likewise. Okay? Likewise. Okay, thank you. I told you that you were going to love this episode. Rian, Michaela, Tim had so much expert knowledge to share with us. They do this day in and day out. And I loved that they were willing to talk about what they're analyzing and what they're talking about inside of their business, what they're seeing from other clients and how that can apply to us and help us. So I appreciate them sharing that today with you and me. Now, remember at the beginning, I challenged you to try at least one of their suggestions. If you want to report back to me, my email is rachel at inspiretoengage.com. I would love to hear what it is that you tried and are you seeing some improvement? Let's talk about three of my biggest takeaways because for me, it's a good way to summarize all of the information that we hear from our experts. So here we go. Takeaway number one, I love what Michaela said Always put your customer hat on first. We can talk about SEO all we want to, but if we are not thinking about how our customer views our product, how he or she searches for our product on Google and Bing, then we're probably not going to get the SEO right. So putting your customer first, and if you know, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know I preach this over and over again, Customer, customer, customer. So you have to think about how are, how are my ideal customers looking for my product when they go to search for it. They also suggested, think about, or I'm sorry, look at your competitors. That is sometimes a good way to figure out how people are searching for products similar to yours. Now, I loved Ren's suggestion. Look and see if your competitors are messing up? Are there holes in what they're doing? And if there are, that is where you jump. Takeaway number two, use apps and other resources to help you be better. So I'm going to talk for just a second about three or four of the uh, websites and apps that were mentioned in this podcast episode. Number one, Rian talked about the NAP, the NAPU audit. So that's name, address, phone, that's the P part, and URL audit. That can be very tough if you are a brick and mortar site to make sure that your NAPU, your name, address, phone number, and URL are correct across all of the different platforms that people use to find local places. So before I recorded this outro, I did a, a little bit of research myself. Ren mentioned several companies that help brick and mortars get their information correct across all these different platforms. To me, the simplest one that he mentioned was Local Ease. It's spelled just like local. And then the, the last is E-Z-E. -E, and it's one word, Local Ease. It's actually New Star 
locallys. And for less than $80 a year, that one company will help you get all of your local information spread out across lots of other places. It keeps you from having to manually go from one place to one place to one place. Now, I know what you're probably asking. Hey, does it also update Facebook? I could not find an answer to that directly. So if you're really interested, it might be worth you emailing local ease or uh, making a phone call to them and asking, I'm a brick and mortar. This is what I need to, to do. This is what I'm interested in. Can you help me? So of his suggestions, that was the easiest, in my opinion, that's going to help you with local SEO as far as getting your NAPU information correct out there. Another one that they mentioned, Michaela mentioned, was Google My Business Products. I was not aware of that and how exciting. So if you are a local business and you're willing to put your products out there, it also may be something for you to look into. I quickly did some YouTube searches and there are some experts out there that are teaching you how to do it. So if you have any questions, you may want to go there. Or of, of course, you really may want to talk to Cake Commerce about how they can help you with your local SEO. Oh my goodness. I know you probably heard Tim talk about the app, Judge Me. I was so excited to hear about that. So that app takes your reviews and it goes on and puts it onto your website for you. And it even did the schema markup, which is going to help search engines know what that review actually means, not just what it says. So it's actually, it may actually help that review show up in a search engine, uh, res search engine res result page. I'll get it right here in a minute. I apologize. And then finally, Ren mentioned the Google Keyword Planner. That's simply a great free tool if you're working on keywords. Once again, it's Google Keyword Planner. And if you've done any SEO research, you've probably seen that mentioned. It's technically for the ad side of Google, the paid side of Google, but it does help you figure out where key, I'm sorry, it helps you figure out what keywords may be good for you. My final key takeaway, well, it's actually two, but I'm going to lump it together into one and say it's things Michaela said I don't want to forget. One of them, Bing. That is a search engine that most of us do forget. It's low-hanging fruit though, and it's especially low-hanging fruit if your customer base is 50 or older. So don't forget Bing. Not many people are remembering it right now. A second thing that Michaela said is use several images on your product page. For example, if you use a flat lay, that's great. But your customer may also want to see your product on a human or inside a home. How is that product being used? So don't forget about alternate images as well. They can be very powerful. And Ren reminded us to pay attention to the alt text as well. He said it could be up to 125 characters and it needs to be very specific. It's another way of telling search engines exactly what is going on with that picture. Because remember, search engines can't actually see the picture. It's up to us as the business owner to tell the search engine what that is a picture of. So our alt text is very 
powerful. It's very important. Okay, I want to tell you again, thank you so much for listening. I also want to encourage you to go check out Cake Commerce. Find them on Instagram or Facebook. Head to their website. I think you'll be really impressed. It is really a breath of fresh air. It is not a stale marketing agency. I love that play on words right there. Stale. You get it? I also want to say, or I also want to ask that if you enjoy this podcast, please rate or review us. You know the power that ratings and reviews do for other small businesses. In fact, I want to say a big shout out and a thank you to Grace Girl Beads. She left a review a couple of months ago. It's titled Amazing Content. Rachel gives real advice that is easy to implement in your small business. Always engaging and entertaining. I learned something new from every episode. Okay, Grace Girl Beads, huge thank you. You probably know because you've heard me talk about Grace Girl Beads in the past. That is my dear friend, Amy. So I want to tell her thank you for leaving a review and thank you for you listening this far into the episode. I appreciate you so much. I hope you have a wonderful week and please choose one suggestion that Michaela or Tim or Wren gave in this episode and apply it to your product pages. You're welcome to let me know how it's going. Rachel at inspiretoengage.com. Okay, until next episode, bye.